Welcome to Mike Sessions with Michael Sanders. My name is Michael Sanders, and this is an NBA trade deadline edition of a Mike Session. So, with the NBA trade deadline coming up on February 8th, which is next Thursday, the first big splash was made two nights ago by the Detroit Pistons and Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers traded Blake Griffin, Bryce Johnson, and Willie Reed to the Detroit Pistons for Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, a 2019 second-round pick, and a 2018 first-round pick that is top-four protected for the next three seasons. 2021, it is unprotected. So, who I think won the trade was the Los Angeles Clippers. I think what they needed to do is after they got rid of Chris Paul and traded him to the Rockets in the offseason, it's apparent and obvious that they knew that their time of being a middling 3-6 to six seed in the Western Conference was up because with Oklahoma City and getting Carmelo Anthony and Paul George, with the Spurs being the Spurs, with the Rockets, them getting Chris Paul from the Clippers, then with the Warriors and with the Wolves getting Jimmy Butler, um, I saw a lot of talented teams, and then the Pelicans, who had Boogie Cousins, who just got hurt. We'll get back to that here in a minute. But um, I think they saw that their time was up being a super competitive team in the Western Conference. And so I think even with Blake Griffin signing a five-year, $173 million contract max deal this offseason with the Clippers, I always thought that he would be traded at some point. Now, I didn't think it would be this year. I thought it might be another year into it. But I think it's smart on them is that they get rid of the big contract. They got a couple good pieces in return. They got a first-round pick, which is good, um, from the Pistons. Um, They got to hope that the Pistons don't succeed this season so that pick can be um, as high as anywhere as five because it gets to that one-to-four range. The Pistons get to keep it, so... They gotta hope that they don't just bottom out, but they can kind of be mediocre. But with getting rid of that salary and with them um, putting DeAndre Jordan, Lou Williams on the trade market, I see I see them heading in the right direction, which they're heading downwards. But I think in the rebuilding era, I think you either need to be rebuilding and you need to be bad and build assets during this time, or you need to be really good. And the Clippers. Just didn't have the cap flexibility or the players or the personnel to be really good in this league for the next few years. Because with the Warriors, with the Wolves on the rise, with anywhere LeBron goes, with the Rockets, the Spurs, with the Thunder, that there were a lot of good teams in that those are the teams that really have a chance at a title. And then you've got to throw in Boston and Toronto also. I think they're doing the right thing they're doing with the Bulls, the Hawks, the Magic, and the Mavericks, and the Suns are doing is that they all have like one or two pretty good young players, but they're bottling, they're bottoming out, getting rid of uh, their cap space or the their cap, uh, big cap hits and things like that, and they're building for the post Warriors, post LeBron era, which I think is a smart idea. But the biggest team, the biggest issue when it comes to the NBA trade deadline is the Cleveland Cavaliers. That is the main team that is going to be involved in all trade talks because especially with Kevin Love getting hurt last night, he fractured his hand. He is out for one to two months. And so that almost 
zeroes out his trade value with the trade deadline being eight days away. Um, if they did trade him, which I'm not sure if you can trade an injured player. I know you can't do that on 2K. They don't allow you to, but I don't know about real life. But his trade value is has been cut in half, if not worse, because he's their second best player. He averages 18 points, 9 rebounds on 40% three-point shooting. And you don't just get you don't get an injury like that to a player and keep sustaining whatever success you had. The Cavs are twenty nine and twenty right now, Eastern Conference, and they're the three seed. And they're four games from being in the eight seed where Philly is right now. So they have no margin for error at the point because the further down that they get in the playoffs, it is I've never seen this happen to a LeBron James led team. Since he left uh, Cleveland the first time for Miami, he's their team is always competitive in the top three of the conference, but now they're trending in a bad direction. So, a couple of trade situations that I've been hearing about um, that I've also been theorizing about myself is that Brian Windhorst of ESPN was talking the last week or so about the Cle- uh, Cleveland Cavaliers trading Iman Shumpert, Channing Frye, and a second round pick to the Sacramento Kings for George Hill. I think that would be a pretty good deal um, to get a good veteran point guard presence in your backcourt. He's not that great on defense, but he can be a good facilitator and scorer. And they need somebody younger to do that besides Dwayne Wade. And so, but I think what they have to do is that they have a logjam at guard. They have Kyle Korver, they have Jose Calderon, they have Derrick Rose, they have Dwayne Wade, they have J.R. Smith and Isaiah Thomas. So if they're going to bring in a guy like George Hill, that means that they have to get rid of somebody, whether it's trade Jose Calderon, Isaiah Thomas, J.R. they got to get rid of at least one or two of those guys because they can get rid of them and bring back some big man death in their front court, um, which I will allude to a little bit later, who, have, who I think they should give a call and bring in. Um, some other players that are on um, trade block look that they might be traded are J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, um, training Fi and Amon Shumpert, like I just said. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, possibly. Um, you, you never know with what's going on in uh, their locker room in their front office. Uh, Kevin Love, if he's allowed to be traded at this point. Uh, Dwayne Wade is there to say he's best friends with LeBron. He's not being traded from Cleveland. Uh, Derek Rose, Jose Calderon, Cal Corver. Pretty much any person on that team not named LeBron James or Dwayne Wade, I think is up for consideration for trade. With their defense being ranked 29th out of 30th in defensive efficiency in the league, only being ahead of the Sacramento Kings, who have the fourth worst record in the league, they're only ahead of them by 0.2 percentage points. So, what that happening is that they've got to bring in somebody who can guard on the wings besides... Oh yeah, and there's Jay Crowder also, who... He was traded for in the Kyrie Irving trade to come back from Boston to Cleveland, but he might even be traded because he had career years the last two years with Brad Stevens and the Celtics and Boston, but he has had um, he has dipped really low in his efficiency and production. So some players and some teams that I think that could offer some help to the Cleveland Cavaliers is mainly is the Charlotte Hornets, they have Kimball Walker and Nick Batum who have been talked about in trade talks. Nick Batum is owed, including this year, four years and $99 million left on his contract. So, I mean, Cleveland, if they're going to be, if they're going to get Kimball Walker, who is an all-star caliber point guard, 
his deal is two years, $24 million. They're going to have to take on a big contract from the Hornets because they have big contracts um, relatively on three main players, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, and Nick Batum, that they kind of want to get off the books because um, they're looking at a rebuild because they know they're not anywhere close. But it's odd that they have um, confirmed reports, even though Michael Jordan said the owner of the Hornets said that they would only trade Walker if they got an all-star in return is that um, they haven't been denying that he's on the trade block and that he would be traded. And so it's really weird with the Hornets hosting the all-star game next year that they would trade their only all-star caliber player on their team because Dwight Howard is on the team, but he is past his prime. Nick Batum has never been an all-star, will never be one. Uh, Kimball Walker has been, I believe, one or two all-star games, so he's their only all-star caliber player so it's really weird that they would put him on the block but I think Kevin Love was going to be one of the main pieces in the deal that got Nick Batum and Kimball Walker so with that happening I really don't know maybe they could package um, a draft pick they have a first round draft pick from Brooklyn Brooklyn that they got from Boston which Boston got from Brooklyn whenever Boston traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce at the end of their careers to Brooklyn and then Brooklyn sent over a few first round picks and um, that's one of them is what the Boston Celtics got with Jason Tatum this past year and so with the Brooklyn Nets right now they're kind of they're not in playoff contention of any sorts they're third worst record in the east so they're they're looking at being possibly a top five pick if they bought them out but probably somewhere between five to ten so that's pretty good value so I would see somewhere that the Cavs could package something with like say J.R. Smith Tristan Thompson and say the one of their own first round picks with that Brooklyn pick um, I could see that happening they would have to make the salaries work but they also might have to throw in somebody like Isaiah Thomas you never know with a trade deadline eight days away, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised by anything because I've seen crazier things in this league. Um, the only other team that I can see that has put somebody on the trade market that is uh, currently available is the Dallas Mavericks. And so they have said that Wesley Matthews, shorting guard for them, who has two years, $37 million left on his contract, including this year, they said that they would be open to trade negotiations for him, but they would want a first-round pick in return. Now, that's probably just a negotiation tactic to start off the bidding because you don't want to start the bidding too low or you just you want to start high so that you can negotiate. They might take a second-rounder and some other player for them because they're looking to get rid of salary also. Another player is Nerlens Noel, who has been kind of an outcast for Dallas after they traded um, Justin Anderson, Andrew Bogut, and two second-round picks for Nerlens Noel last uh, last trade deadline in 2016-2017 season. Um, he had a okay, decent year to end the year with the Mavericks. Uh, they took forever to sign him to a contract. They didn't want to give him the big long-term contract with him being a restricted free agent. They didn't want to give him a huge contract because his style of game is just a you know, have some post defense, can make some blocks, can guard on the wing on certain players. He can 
have some putback dunks. Has a pretty good inside game. Catch lobs. He's kind of like a skinnier, a little bit shorter version of DeAndre Jordan. And so with the way the NBA is turning where the three is worth more than two, obviously, and the Rockets and Warriors are exploiting that, and they don't rely on big men to be a focal point of their offenses. I think the Mavericks made the right choice of not giving a big contract. I want to give him one year. But he's just not been playing really at all. Um, they've said that he has a thumb injury. I don't know if it's an actual injury. He's been clashing with Rick Carlisle. It's been a really messy situation. But Nerlens Noel has the same exact agent as LeBron James. So that could be a connection. And so I could see a semblance of a package of Wes Matthews and Nerlens Noel for, say, I don't know, J.R. Smith, Channing Frye, and a first-round pick, or just one of those two players in a first-round pick, just whatever would make the salaries work. And so I could see something like that happening. I think that would be a big plus for both teams. The Mavericks would get um, some expiring contract. One expiring contract in training Fry, he might would probably get bought out by the Mavericks. J.R. Smith, I think, has two years left on his deal. That's a different situation. But they also get a first-round pick, so I think for the Mavericks, they get rid of some salary from Wes Matthews. And then the Cavs would have another... They would have a starting caliber shooting guard for the team, and Nerland as well can provide good depth off the bench. And even if they did end up getting rid of Tristan Thompson in the trade... I could see Nerlens Noel being a pretty good replacement. And so for the Cavs, that's pretty much it. There's not many other teams who are having different players be on the trade block. And so there's different players like Tyreek Evans, Courtney Lee, different other guards that have been rumored to possibly be traded. Maybe Lou Williams or DeAndre Jordan from the Clippers. They've been talked about getting traded. Um, they're really trying to tank and get rid of uh, them also so we could see Possibly if they can put together a trade package to get one or two of them, that'll be interesting to see. But what you're seeing with a lot of these players that are up for trade, whether it's Amon Shumpert, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, uh, Nick Batum, uh, different players and other players that you're seeing uh, trans uh, transitioning to my next topic is the NBA salary cap is that in the offseason of 2015 or the 2016 offseason, so we saw a huge inflation in the uh, salary cap for NBA teams. It went from $70 million to $94 million. That's $24 million, and that's about 34% of the previous um, salary cap. And so that's a crazy amount. And then from 2016 to 2017, it rose from 94 to 99 and we saw... The likes of Steph Curry get a uh, five-year, $200 million Supermax this offseason. So we saw the max contracts, the numbers and figures on those um, of different varieties rise. And we also saw players on a certain level basically get paid for a level above that because there was so much money to be thrown around that teams had to fill that cap space because the cap floor, because you know there's a salary cap, but there's also a cap floor, and the cap floor is 90% of the caps. Like this year, the cap floor is around hovering around $90 million. And so teams at some point in the season have to be at that point. So there was so much money to go around. We saw players like Timothy Miles Gobb sign with the Lakers for four years, $64 million. 
Nick Batum, like I said, five years, $120 million with the Hornets. Evan Turner, four years, $70 million with the Blazers. You saw Alan Crabb, four years, $75 million go to the Blazers also, and then he got traded to the Nets this past offseason. Also, Timothy Mozgov got traded from the Lakers to the Nets this offseason. Uh, Myers Leonard for the Blazers, four years, $41 million. Ian Mahimi, four years, $64 million for the Wizards. Bismarck Biombo, four years, $72 million for the Magic. Also, four years, $72 million for Luel Dang going to the Lakers. Joakim Noah, four years, $72 million with the Knicks. Solomon Hill, four years, $48 million with the Pelicans. So, what you're seeing is that there are so many of these contracts that these players get were getting paid above their pay grade. Now, these are all pretty good role players, some um, ex-stars who are out of their primes and things like that. They're they all deserving of being in the NBA. They're great players compared to anything close to what any one of us normal people could do. But on the business side and the business aspect, it was really bad for these teams. So you're seeing the main culprit is the Portland Trailblazers is that they have Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, and Myers Leonard, who all have three years left in their deals, who signed um, bigger deals than they really were uh, worth in that offseason. They're all owed Evan Turner three years, $54 million left, Mo Harkless three for 33, and Myers Leonard three for 32. They're scheduled to get paid $40 million total this season. And combined, they are scoring 18 points a game, 9 rebounds per game, and 4 assists. So now, for one player, 18-9-4 is really good. So if you look at it, Mark Gasol, he averages 18 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists a game. But he only makes $22 million. So you look at it, the level of output that they're getting for the money that they're spending is nowhere even close. Another player, Kevin Love, 18, mil, 18 points a game, 9.5 rebounds, about 2 assists, 40% from 3, 46% from the field, and I believe Kevin Love is, he signed a recent contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's not getting paid super max money or anywhere near there. He's making around $22 million also. So you see that the level of output that these players are giving. And so I don't have the exact numbers for all of these, but Timothy Mozgov, he was pretty good or okay with the Cavs, got signed with the Lakers, got traded to the Nets. He's not doing much. Nick Batum, he had a career year the year before, or the year before his uh, major contract, and he's been going down. Chandler Parsons, he is a shell of what he once was with the Rockets and Mavericks before he signed with the Grizzlies. Evan Turner, He's declining. Solomon Hill, declining. Joakim Noah, not even playing. Kent Bazemore, declining on the worst team in the league with the Hawks. Luel Deng, not playing at all, but still under contract. Bismack Biombo, a backup center for the Magic. Marvin Williams, declining. Ian Mahimi, declining. But Harrison Barnes for the Mavericks, four years, $94 million. The Mavericks are paying him to score 20 points a game, but also only get like five rebounds, one or two assists a game. So... You're seeing players that were role players getting paid what the previous cap was because whenever the cap was seventy million in 2015, the kind of contracts that like Mozgov and Parsons and 
Joakim Noah. Like that's like max type deals that were getting handed out then. And for these people, they're not getting max. They're getting like a mid-level like type contract. You're seeing now the most big max that you can get right now is five years, 200 million. It's called the quote unquote super max. And so what you're seeing, I know the salary cap and things like that are not crazy fun topics to talk about, but whenever you're talking about the NBA trade deadline, they kind of go hand in hand because you got to make the salaries work. You see a lot of players who are not upholding to their value and their, uh, their contract value getting traded. And a lot of those players benefited from the NBA TV deal increasing the cap from 70 to 94 million into the 2016 offseason. And so you're seeing a lot of beneficiaries of that. And so you're going to see that a lot of the players that are that are role players up for contracts this um, offseason are not going to see the type of money that you're probably going to see those contracts go down because there was so much money to give out in the last two offseasons is that there's not as much money to give out now because the salary cap is only projected to go up about 2% or around $2 million this next offseason. So there's less money to go around. And so I think you're going to see a lot of less terrible value type contracts. You're seeing that it's really timing is a key to all these contracts. And so it's going to be interesting to see what the trade deadline gives us over the next eight days. If anything else big happens, I might do another podcast to discuss it. Um, I just really wanted to do an introductory podcast to really start off the Mike Sessions podcast because this is my first official out there episode. And so um, I really just wanted to introduce the topic of the NBA trade line, deadline. So if there's any big trades, I can have an emergency pod. Um, shout out to the, the Basketball Friends podcast. It's my favorite basketball podcast. Y'all are getting some free advertising right now. And so if any one of y'all, which you're probably not, is listening to this, you are welcome. That's a ding at Jade Hoy. Anyways, so this will about wrap it up. Subscribe to my podcast. Give it a five-star review. Tell your friends, your family, your acquaintances, your enemies about it. Post it on social media. Do whatever. Just get this podcast out there because I'm trying to make it in this business. And right now, there is no business. Thank you. My name is Michael Sanders. This has been a Mike session. Y'all be good.